Today on the podcast, we have something a little bit different than normal. On April 30th, we did, rather than doing a teaching on this passage, we did a collection of spiritual exercises and reflections on this passage of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. It was also a Sunday in which we were under tornado warnings and the weather was really bad, so we were kind of editing things as we went along. Um, for the audio of this, I have cut out some of the, the dead space. Uh, we had some times of reflection and some times where people shared their own thoughts, but they didn't come out of the microphone. So if you were here on that Sunday, uh, that's why that didn't come through. But listen to it, and hopefully you can use these exercises yourself. Thanks for listening. Or sure here. So this morning, our passage is really one of my favorite passages from the New Testament. It is the passage we read during worship for communion. And I think this is a great passage when it comes to spiritual direction and reflection, because this passage is about God revealing himself, Jesus revealing himself uh, to his disciples on that first Resurrection Sunday. And so we've kind of broken this service up into three acts And uh, we'll at least do one of them uh, and possibly the other. And I'm going to read it one more time. And just continue to just rest in his presence. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us 
They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, and they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true. It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So let's just uh, do something here for a moment. As we've reflected over this story a couple of times, what is it that stands out to you uh, as you think of this? You know, I, I, I strongly believe that uh, one of the reasons God chose to step into our world as Jesus and become one of us was that it would reveal God to us in unabstract terms. Is that, a, is that the term? Uh, if, if we, in concrete terms, yes. <laughs> concrete, unabstract, unambiguous terms. When we think of God, God is something that is so abstract and beyond us, and, and for good reason, it's, it's God. But in Jesus, we actually have a picture of how God acts and interacts with humanity. And so, as we look at this story today... What do you think this story reveals to you about God? What is the thing that stands out to you? So 
Let's start with that question. We'll do a little interactive here. What, what, what is this? What, what stands out to you in the story? Anyone? Yeah. So for those of you over here, Jesus was planning on going, but there's this sense of having to ask him. Uh, I, I love personally, it, it, it shows me, it reveals kind of a mischievous side of God. Uh, there's, it's kind of like Jesus is, is playing hide-and-seek with them a bit, you know. Uh, in the moment that they see him, which I, I think it's beautiful that it's in the breaking of bread as well, uh, their eyes are open, and the moment they res- recognize him, he's out of there. <laughs> and I, I find that, that interesting. Well, we're, I'm going to turn it over to someone else who has uh, offered a reflection over this passage uh, on our teaching team this week. And... Uh, because of his um, brevity of words, I figured this is a, this is a great, uh, concise way to um, communicate something. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Speaking of rain, welcome Noah. How are y'all doing today? Okay, so the, uh, the verse that struck out at me the most was uh, verses 15 and 16. To my face? Okay. As they talked and discussed, Jesus himself drew near and walked along with them. They saw him, but somehow did not recognize him. This verse struck me. Had I ever been in the presence of Jesus and not recognized him? Furthermore, had I ever walked with him and embarrassed him, made him sad, or disappointed? I think the answer to that is yes. Um, I used to believe that Jesus loved who I loved and hated who I hated. Much like some of the Psalms, I would pray for God to defeat my enemies provide something I didn't need, or give me an edge over somebody else. Little did I realize the enemy that needed defeating most was myself. I never had a road to Damascus moment like Paul, but somewhere along my journey, I realized my piety was in fact persecution. Now I think I understand Isaiah 64.6 just a little bit more. All of us have been sinful. Even our best actions are filthy through and through. Because of our sins, we are like leaves that wither and are blown away by the wind. I recently read a retelling of the parable of the Good Samaritan. It was modernized to reflect Christians and Muslims rather than Jews and Samaritans. So the, uh, the Good Samaritan was, was a Muslim in it, and the victim was a transgendered teen. Um, the story followed the same general retelling. I'm getting some wind here. Blowing my, blowing my notes around. <laughs> uh, I received some negative feedback, too, from it. Like, uh, this makes Christians look bad, and this, the author clearly doesn't like Christians. And I found this really deeply troubling. Jesus told us, you'll know my people by their love one for another. He didn't say, you'll know my people by who they judge or uh, You'll know my people because they say they're my people. You'll know my people by their love, and that's, that's a big deal. I'll take this whole thing a step further. I have walked right past Jesus, avoiding eye contact and hoping he doesn't talk to me. Matthew 25, 40 says, what you've done for the least of these, you've done unto me. I think it's more important than ever for Christians to take up the cross of Jesus, accept our own failures, our limitations, and our biases, and start loving people, regardless of who they are, what they believe, what they've done, what they look like, and love them like Jesus would.
Now my prayer can be summed up in the words of the legendary classic rock band Foreigner. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Um, I think rather than do this next exercise, I'm just going to explain it a little bit, and this can be some homework for you. Uh, oftentimes, we walk around life, as many of you have noted, and it is not that God is not with us, it is that we are oblivious to God. God may come to us, in the face of somebody who has a need. God may come to us in the form of our neighbor. It may be somebody broken down on the side of the road. It may be our spouse. It may be through our kids. How many of you parents have had an experience with God based on something your kids said? You've probably had the other kind of experience as well. <laughs> but I find that reflective practices practices of contemplation and stuff like that are so good for learning to see Jesus in the rearview mirror. I love that part where the disciples are walking down the road and after they see Jesus, they go, oh man, did our hearts not burn within us? You ever had a holy heart burn before? Where somebody, you're, you're in a conversation and, and they're saying something and maybe you're saying something and your heart is beginning to, to get set on fire. And sometimes we don't even recognize that as Jesus in the moment, but it is only in reflection, only in looking back in the rearview mirror that we begin to notice, wait, that was a God moment. But it wasn't in worship. It wasn't in communion. It wasn't in prayer. It wasn't in acts of piety. It was just in everyday life. And that's exactly, I think, part of the point of this revelation of Jesus Christ, that God comes to us, as I've heard before, disguised as our ordinary life. God encounters us in the mundane aspects. And sometimes the best way to experience God is in the rearview mirror. And it is in, in, along these lines that the Jesuits developed this practice about 500 years ago called the prayer of examine. And I've talked about this a few times, but on your outline today, I put uh, a little something there about consolation and desolation. And the exercise I'd like you to do this week is to just maybe later on today, you're probably going to be reined in uh, rather than... Uh, you know, spend your whole time binge watching, you know, Netflix. Take a few minutes, maybe 20 minutes to reflect over your own life and go back to last Sunday and imagine, begin to just replay your week. You're not trying to get bogged down in the details, but you're looking for moments of consolation and desolation. And I put a little something in there like that. Desolation is the times in our lives where we turn... Uh, in on ourselves. It drives us down a spiral even deeper into our own negative feelings. It cuts us off from community, makes us want to give up on the things that used to be important to us, takes over our world, our whole consciousness, and crowds out our distant vision, covers up all our landmarks, and drains us of our energy. When you look back over this last week, what are the times of desolation in your life? What are the times where you feel disconnected, where you feel, uh, it's not that, 
I mean, sometimes you can go through hard things, and that's not desolation. We're not just saying every hard thing you go through is a moment of desolation. It has more to do with how you are experiencing life. What are the moments of desolation, the moments where you are driven by insecurity, where you're driven by fear and anxiety, the moments where you feel disconnected, cut off from your own heart or cut off from other people? The other side is consolation. Consolation directs our focus outside and beyond ourselves. Consolation lifts our hearts so that we can see the joys and sorrows of other people. Consolation bonds us more closely to our human community. Consolation generates new inspiration and ideas, restores balance and refreshes our inner vision, shows us where God is active in our lives and where he is leading us. It releases new energy in us. Consolation is that moment during the week whether it's a random conversation with a friend, whether it's a, a song on the radio that comes on and just speaks to you. God speaks to me all the time through rock and roll songs. Um, maybe it's uh, just a walk in your neighborhood and, and, and you just are overcome with the beauty of nation, nature. Consolation are those moments where we feel our heart burning within us. And part of the this exercise, the Jesuits, they actually do it three times a day. Uh, I'm, I'm not that spiritual. Uh, I find I do this at the end of the day or even looking back over a week or a month. And just, just sit there with the Holy Spirit and begin asking, Lord, where were the times that I felt disconnected? Where I was running. Where I was withdrawing from community. God, I give these times to you. I'm sorry for the times where... I've turned away from other people because of my own insecurity or my own jealousy or my own pride. God, I offer those back to you and I receive your forgiveness. But I have a feeling that even if you've had some great desolation in your life in this last week, you can also probably find a few moments of consolation. As you look back in the rearview mirror, God, I'm thankful for that friend that called me up out of the blue to check on me. I'm thank you, thankful for that. Jesus, I recognize that as your work in my life. God, I'm thank you, thankful to you for the, the, the hug of my child before I ran out the door to work this morning. I'm thankful for that one moment of peace that I got in a stressful day where I sat down and had a sandwich and, and I just felt your peace, <laughs> whatever it is for you. And part of the purpose of going through these exercises, these spiritual exercises, is not just to encounter God in the past, but help us to live more awake and alive to what God is doing in our everyday life. And I can tell you over years of doing exercises like that, that is exactly what it's done in me. It's my, my times of recognizing God are getting a little bit shorter than they were 10 years ago. I'm starting to see that there is no place that God doesn't exist but there's a lot of places where I don't notice it because I am pulling away. I'm letting other things take me away. So that's your homework for the coming week. Um, but I'm not going to talk any longer because there's a, there's a storm coming. But I'm just going to close with a prayer for, for all of us today. And uh, you can go home, do your homework, and... Uh, we appreciate all of you with kids to get over there and get them out of there as quick as possible, as soon as I say go. So, Lord, we thank you so much, Jesus, for the way that you reveal yourself to us, God. We thank you that you have made concrete uh, 
the, the picture of what God is to us, Lord. We can look at you and understand what God is like. Lord, I pray for every one of us here that our eyes would be open as we look back over this last week, that we could see you, maybe in the random mundane circumstances of life, maybe in, in times that are very hard, you would open our eyes to see you, God. And we thank you for every gift of the revealing of yourself to us, God. And Lord, we just pray this morning, we offer back to you, Lord, every area where we uh, have pulled away where we have let anxiety or insecurity or jealousy or pride rule us, cloud our motives and our vision. Lord, we bring these things to you. We ask your forgiveness. And Lord, we also give thanks to you for every way that you are in our lives, every way that you reveal yourself, Lord. I pray a blessing on everyone to be able to see you in the journey, in the rearview mirror, in the present. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for coming. Y'all are the brave ones. You get extra points in heaven. <laughs> we'll see you next week on a, hopefully a sunnier Sunday. Go get your kids. Be safe out there. God bless.